Today is Valentine's Day. It's a day celebrated all over the world. Um, oh, Julie's telling me that today is two years ago is the anniversary of the engagement of Jonathan and Rebecca. Two years ago, in overlooking the South Pacific, on a mount a restaurant high on the cliff of uh, Lima, there. God instituted a new thing. But um, Valentine's Day, today set aside really to celebrate love between couples and engaged people, boyfriends and girlfriends, parents and their children, even children in the classroom, all celebrate love today. Um, a popular gift on Valentine's Day is a card and written with a personal message of love. And devotion, maybe you got a card, or you gave a card, or somebody else uh, you know of has a card. Some, uh, some written inscription about Valentine's Day. I can see y'all are really excited about this. Uh, you all feel guilty right now, right? <laughs> I gave Greg a card. Good, Pat. And the, the, the card had a song on the inside. All right. And he opened it up and he goes, Thank you, Mr. Chuck. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, that's even better. A card with a song inside is top notch. He danced to it. I bet he did. But it didn't happen unless there's a video, you know. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I don't know if you've heard this story before, but. During the early years of Julie and our relationship, um, we were always separated by a long distance, anywhere from 100 to 700 miles. And this was way back in the day, before there was Skype, before there was FaceTime, before there was t- Facebook. There was no texting, no Twitter, no email, no fax machines. There was just there, there was there was phone calls at a dollar plus per minute. She didn't talk much on the phone. So there was one last thing left to communicate, and that was letters. The post office was there. They would deliver the letter for whatever it was, 15 cents or something. So, um, so we wrote lots of letters. For three years, twice a week, I would prepare a three- to four-page letter and send it to Julie. It's a lot of letters for a guy. I mean, guys, you know. That's a lot of letters. One week would cover three or four years. <laughs> <laughs> but Julie, Julie wrote even more. She wrote me three times a week. She sent a five to six page letter to me. I loved getting her letters. They're not that many words in the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, you're slowing me down here, Greg. I loved getting her letters. And um, I remember coming home from work, I would... I would eagerly go by the, the mailbox to see if there was a letter and if there was mail I'd pull it out and I'd recognize her handwriting first thing this is from Julie so whatever time it took at that moment I would stop and I would open the letter and I'd read what she had to say to me I would enjoy each one and if you stacked all of her 300 letters together you would have quite a thick book of love letters. 
Now, you know, these letters, she would share a whole lot more than just updates about the weather here where she was living. Um, she spoke of her ideas and her dreams and challenges and opportunities she faced. She really let me know who she was in these letters. And even though we weren't living in the same town and couldn't see each other face to face, her letters helped me get to know her and understand her and really drew us closer together. Her letters uh, showed me what was in her heart for the future. And, and even more importantly, what was in her heart for me. And these are precious letters. And although Julie's letters were written over a period of three years, I share the story today to set the stage for an even bigger book of letters. This big book of letters was written by about 40 men on three different continents over a period of 15, 1,600 years, from 1,500 B.C. to maybe 100 A.D. And what is this book? It's, the, it's called the Holy Bible. It's no stretch of language to say that the Bible is like God's love letter to us. And just as Julie's letters revealed much of her character and love for me, the Bible reveals the character of God and his love for us. And as Julie's letters take a, a, take a place of great honor and joy in my life, so the Bible takes a place of great honor and joy in the lives of those who read it and believe it. Why do we love the Bible so much? Well, it's, it's clearly this. Let's see. The Bible is the Word of God in such a way that when the Bible speaks, God speaks. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. It isn't merely a collection of facts about God, like a heavenly computer manual. It, it's the words of our loving Father as He reveals who He is and helps us to get to know Him. And he calls each one of us into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. The Bible helps us find out what is in his heart for the future. And, and more importantly, what is in his heart for us. Now you might think that the Bible is a lot of other ancient books. That it could have a lot to teach us, but there's a lot of other books that do as well. But the biblical writers and even Jesus Christ himself saw the scriptures as living words given to us by God. Something no other book claims to do. As we study God's word, his love for us pours through and it transforms us. His love changes us. And it doesn't just change us into something. It changes us into the people that he wants. For the purposes of today's message, I want to explain several words that refer to the Bible. There's 12 of them. And it's important to understand these words because they help us understand what we mean by a, a revealed religion. Christianity is revealed to us. It's not a man-made thing. It's, it's God revealing himself. So these words, Scripture means that which is written. When you say the word Scripture, the Hebrew writers we're meaning that which is written. The word of God conveys revelation of God from God. So it's not only about him, it's not only a word about him, it's word from him, word of God. About him and from him. Testament. 
It's like a testimony. And there's, we call them two. There's an old testimony and a new testimony or covenant. Law flows from revelation as the rule of life. When, when God reveals himself, he reveals the rule of life for us. And we call that law. Statutes speak of God's witness. So God is giving witness of things that he proclaims are true. Commands means what the Lord has ordered us. Decrees. Really, it's, a, it's, a, it's taken from engraved. These words are engraved with such finality and distinct purpose. We call them decrees. Precepts connote God's authority to ordain things to take place. Promise, anything that God is committed to do. Gospel is the good news of salvation. Sword of the Spirit is the use and the power of His Word in action. And truth indicates what is right and stands forever. All of these words in yellow, we interchange with the word Bible to indicate some aspect of God's holy communication to us. And it's important to realize this because a revealed religion... Is, is, is communicated by these words. These, these words are very important. They, they have certain meanings that the authors meant when they wrote these things down. And if you can't see, you're welcome to go <laughs> The term revealed means that God chose to... that God chose to show himself to men and women according to faith. When he could have easily remained hidden, God could have easily remained hidden from us. Julie could have easily remained hidden from me. We were 700 miles apart. And she chose to reveal herself to me through these letters. That's what God does in the Bible. He reveals himself to us by faith so that we may know him and love him, be redeemed by him, and to serve him. He reveals himself in a love letter so that we may know that we are loved with a never-ending love. Now, God is gracious to reveal himself in many ways, but today we're going to think about two ways, a natural way and a supernatural way. The natural way we call the book of nature, and you can see this galaxy up here, where you receive natural uh, revelation through our, our five senses. Our sight, our hearing, our smell, our taste, our touch. The, when you see the sun and stars, when you see the, the uh, up mountains and the ocean, when you watch a lightning strike and hear the thunder that follows, when you see your baby's face or your grandbaby's face, when you smell a rose or taste your favorite food, you are witnessing and gaining the understanding of the power and the creation and the wisdom of God who created these things. Now, the Bible says that if this evidence is not suppressed by other voices, that it is sufficient to let us know that there is a God. There is an active awareness inside every human that cries out, there is a God. And the Bible tells us this. In Romans 1.19, where it says, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power 
and divine nature have been clearly perceived. Not just shown, but perceived. Ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. There's a witness that comes up in the human spirit that says there is a God. And we will believe it if we don't suppress it. If we don't cover it over. If we don't ignore it. But this book of nature does have a limit. For while it's a powerful witness of God's presence, it doesn't show enough of God for us to know Him personally. We just see enough of Him to assure us that He exists. But there isn't enough revealed of Him to show who He is or what He requires. It's a limited, but it still shows the majesty and power of the Creator. You know, the, NASA's really excited because they just they just said that they found more galaxies behind these stars they didn't know were there. Now, more galaxies, I mean, there's 100 billion stars in a galaxy. And to find more galaxy means that there's that many times 100 billion stars. <coughs> the heavens declare the glory of God. There's a witness inside that says, yes, that's right. That's right. Don't suppress it. Being aware of general revelation prepares us for a fuller revelation found in the Bible and communicated to us by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Bible, in the Bible, God reveals who He is and how we may have communion with Him. In the Bible, God reveals who He is and how we can have communion with Him. We call the second type of revelation special revelation. And it's both humbling and astonishing at the same time to realize that God has chosen to make himself known to us. And not only to make us aware of him, but by his word to start an intimate relationship with us. He wants a relationship with you. He sent you a letter. Now we can begin to see why we can call the Bible a love, a love letter from God. He wants to build a relationship with you. And he's communicated with you who he is, what's in his heart for you, what his future plans for you right here in Scripture. This is a, a big claim. This is a high claim of the value of Scripture. So it's worth asking how we receive such a special book like this. How can we say this is God's letter if men wrote it? It's a good question. How is that possible? The Bible says that it was given by inspiration. All scripture is breathed out by God. Now this is not code. God breathed on these human authors to write the scriptures. It doesn't mean that God pushed their pens around. Or that he told him what to type. The biblical view of inspiration is not to be confused with an author dictating to a copyist. The Bible is not merely inspiring to the reader like the, reading, the writings of Shakespeare. The words themselves are inspired. 
The words of the Bible are the product of divine activity. The Bible is from God because he spoke through men who cooperated with him. Their individual personalities, their education, their culture, their their language all shine through. But God gave the thought and the intent for all intents and purposes. This is God's communication with us in the Bible. Now, the highest goal and the heart of God's special revelation to us is to show us Jesus. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. This, this, the, the, the real point of the scripture is to introduce us to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the word who became flesh and came to seek and to save his bride and to give himself on the cross in her place. To see Jesus is vital for only those who believe in Jesus can receive his promises and escape the judgment and wrath of God which awaits those who reject him and remain in their sin. Jesus is a fully, a real, historic man, and he performed many signs and wonders that confirmed his claims to be not only a man, but to be God. We sang about it. We spoke about it. The power to forgive sins. What man can do that? He claimed to be God. He rose the people from the dead. Therefore, Jesus came to fully reveal the Heavenly Father. When we look to Jesus Christ, we see the Father also. He said, I and the Father are one. So again, Jesus is also part of this love letter in a way. Jesus came to communicate the love of the Father for us. Jesus is the Word of God. The Word became flesh. You can see how God ties all this together. He loves us so much. He sent His Son for us and gave us His Word. He gave us His promise. He made this covenant with us. So there's a helpful definition about the special revelation. It's knowledge that comes to us from outside ourselves that is beyond our own ability to discover. Think about it. How could a finite human soul understand being loved by an infinite God? How could a finite human soul understand being loved by an infinite God? Clearly, the only way we know anything about God is because he chooses to reveal himself to us first. But this is more than knowing with our mind. It's experiencing his love in our heart. So to reach men and women from every nation for all times, God provided this letter of love, a written testimony of his son. How else could future generations from every nation and language know Jesus? God wanted to ensure an accurate historical record And right understanding of the life of Jesus and his actions so people could know and receive his love and be forgiven of their sin. God gave his story in history. In fact, in English, we like to kid around. His story is history. His story. You just drop an S and there it is. His story. So I think of history as his story in the world today. 
I ask you today to pursue knowing God as Father. For he has provided the way through Jesus' Son. And then to know Jesus and his love for you. God provided the way to know Jesus and his love through the Bible. And let's just let that dwell in for a second. We sang about it and we thought about it. But I want to call your attention to it one more time. Let the truth of the fact that God loves you rest upon you. God loves you. God loves each one of you. Say it with me. God loves me. God loves me. And how do we know this? Because the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that God loves us. This is what makes the Bible a love letter different from every other book that's ever been written. This is a love letter. This tells me God loves me. And if anybody ever tells me that I'm not loved by God, what do I do? I draw their attention to what God says in the Scriptures. He loves me. Now, we're going to cover a brief introduction to the rest of the message. Scripture reveals God's wisdom, knowledge, and plans to us. And all the truths I'm getting ready to show you are found in the Bible and nowhere else. We understand the Bible by learning what the author meant when he wrote it. Taking into view this example, specific example of what he's writing and all of the rest of the teaching of the Bible. We interpret the Bible according to its presentation. So if there's historical narrative or poems and songs or laws or prophecy or wisdom literature or genealogies or parables... Letters and eyewitness accounts. You don't, you don't, you don't interpret a parable like you would as a law. They are interpreted by their own set of, of causalities. But I wanted to go through these, and I wanted to show you this because I thought, I thought the chemistry side of me came out. And I really like this. It's the periodic table of the books of the Bible, and he's kind of got the Old Testament and the New Testament. He's got them separated by the law and the history and the wisdom literature. The prophets, the letters, and so forth. And I even have one in Chinese. <laughs> but God has communicated in various forms, by various people, in various languages, in various continents, over millennia, His word to us. What a precious gift this is. So what do we learn from the Bible that we learn from no other source? You can't go to the drugstore and buy the latest magazine and find out this information unless it's taken from Scripture. So we learned that God exists eternally. This is the root of faith. Believe that God exists, has always existed, will it ever exist? We learn this, we learn it, we know it from Scripture. And the supernatural truths of the Trinity, we learn about His character, His attributes, His plan of salvation, His love, His works, His power, His mercy, His patience, His grace, His ways, His glory, His desires, and more. When Julie would write me a letter, 
I knew that Julie existed. There was a real person. And she was communicating to me who she was. It was a love letter. We learned that God made covenants with us. And these promises are sure and true. They're worthy to be believed by every person. They're able to be fully trusted. And they will bring great reward to those who believe and act upon these. These covenants that God made are found in the scriptures. So we learn that he exists and that he made agreements with mankind, with each one of us. He made an agreement with you. All your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. Psalm 119, 160. What else do we learn? We learn that we have an origin, a role, and a purpose for existing. Now this is really important today. Because people are missing this. We learn that we are fearfully and wonderfully made as male and female. From the scriptures. We learn the purpose of marriage. What institutes a marriage. We learn about families and the blessing of children. That they are not to be left outside and exposed unto death. We learn that the marriage bed should be held in holy honor. We learn, we learn of our call to labor, to manage the earth wisely, to love and glorify God. We don't learn this anywhere else. In fact, everywhere else, they try to destroy this. But this is what the love letter says. This is your role. This is your origin. This is where you came from. This is, where you're, this is your future. This is where you're going. It's all here in this love letter. We learn that we rebelled and disobeyed God in sin. That we're not all good people at our core. We learned that of the first sin and how it condemned the whole world, how it touched every generation and every person ever born on this earth. We learned how it brought about all the pain and suffering we still see today. Why is there pain and suffering in the earth today? Because of sin. We learned that in the scriptures. It's clear. And thus, it exposes our longing to escape the sin and our need for a great Savior. God's love letter, as he explains who he is, his plans and his future, we learn who we are. We learn why we are suffering. And it exposes our longing and our need for a great Savior. We find this in the scriptures. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. This love letter will never fail. What do we learn from this letter that for no other place? We learn that Jesus comes. He came one time in the past. He's going to come again in the future. We don't learn that anywhere else. We learn that he was, he was the Son of God and fulfilled many prophecies. In other words, men of ancient times foretold when a Messiah would come, a Deliverer would come, a Redeemer would come. Jesus fulfilled all those prophecies. And he was born of a virgin. He lived as a man in obedience to God's word. He was crucified on the cross. He was buried and he was raised to life to ascend to heaven where he rules over all. We learn that in this love letter. We learn that Jesus comes. We learn that Jesus saves. By his grace, he seeks out to redeem us. He forgives all of our sin if we trust him. 
alone to clean us. He removes the stain of guilt and shame. You know, some countries are known as fear countries. And some respond to guilt and some respond to shame. And it's a, we think it's a, it's a cultural thing. Jesus came to take all that away. He heals our brokenness and removes our fears. He delivers us from the bondage of sin and makes all things new. We learn that Jesus comes and we learn that Jesus saves. Where do we find this? In the love letter. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Psalm 119, 105. What else do we learn? We learn that Jesus gives. The same Jesus, fully man, fully God, he gives us faith to be united to him and born again to a new man. He gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us, to make us holy, fill us with joy, and to assure us with hope forever. And this faith that he gives us reaps a reward of eternal life with him. We find this in the scripture. We learn that Jesus calls. He gives and he calls. He calls us to follow him as his beloved. He created us to receive and give love. He created us to receive his love. Why do you exist? I exist to receive the love of the Father. How about you? I exist to show you the love of the Father. Why would I exist otherwise? Just to show you the love of the Father and to receive the love of the Father. And to set the example by giving himself even unto death for us, resulting in our worshiping and joying forever and loving other people as he loves us. That's one thing that we can truly enjoy in this earth is the love of other people that have been transformed by the love of God. So Jesus gives, Jesus calls. The unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. So you say to all the simple-minded, you'll find understanding when you read of the Word of God. What else do we learn from the Bible that we learn from no other source? That Jesus empowers us. By His grace to live and serve Him with others, He empowers us to love Him with all that we are as ambassadors of His kingdom. He empowers us to do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly with our God. He empowers us to announce salvation to everyone. He empowers us. These love letters, not only does He give us faith and call us to discipleship, He empowers us. When Julie wrote those letters to me, Maybe the first thing that I was empowered to do was to love her in return. When you read the scriptures and the power of the love language touches your heart, you're changed. You're empowered at that point. And that's what happens. He empowers us. Jesus prepares. We learned this in Scripture. We, we learned that He's preparing a home for all the church as His bride in heaven. Us as individuals, us as a church body, us as the body of Christ. This place in heaven is a place without pain or tears. Now, where would you find that anywhere else other than in Scripture? Of what heaven is like. Truly like. And, and this place is also where from his great throne he will finally judge the deeds of all created humans 
angels, Satan, and demons. There is, there is a judgment coming that he's, he's warning us about in this letter. So that we will be prepared. So that we will be covered. So that we will be redeemed. Can you see, can you see these things? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Simon Peter was an eyewitness follower of Jesus Christ. This is his testimony to Jesus. There's no other place for us to go anymore. You're the only one that has words of life. These are words of life. And then this from John, another one of the, the apostles. But these are written, this, these love letters are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Now what's the key? Believe that Jesus is the Christ. And by believing, you have life in his name. So these love letters, when we believe them, they bring us life in Christ. They bring us life in Christ. The Bible is the most published and best-selling book of all time. On the whole planet, for all eternity, this book has been published more often and purchased more often than any other book. The Bible is the most read and studied book of all time. The Bible is the most translated book of all time. The Bible is the most debated book at all time of all time. This, this book has been... Criticized and defended and explored and dug into and tried to be proven wrong and proven right so many times. You know, if you criticize the Quran, they kill you. So nobody criticizes the Quran. If you criticize the Bible, you get a reasoned response explaining what the Bible is. It is the most debated book of all time. Thoroughly vetted and validated and confirmed through the centuries. This is a book you can trust. This is love letters that will change your life. And it is the most loved book of all time. And after 3,500 years... Since the first words were written, it's still here, changing lives every day. We're not used to thinking about things that are 3,500 years old changing lives today. I mean, think about that. We're not, we're not used to thinking about that. I mean, we're used to thinking about, you know, cell phones and TVs and Internet. Those change your life. They make your life different but this this transforms your life this transforms your life so why why not trust this book today why not trust this love letter today is there any reason to think the Bible is unreliable real 
reason to think that. I will, I will say that everything you could ever think of has already been thought of and explored. The Bible, these writers were eyewitnesses of real people and real myths that they describe as facts of history. This is an historical book. There's historical narrative here that explains the movement and migration of people, the building of artifacts, the translation of things in different languages. It's, it's all in here. This is real. There's no myths. This is confirmed by archaeology, by, by diggings and study of history or historical records. It is utmost reliable. We have the same, we now have the same words that were written then. The care and the precision in which these, this, this book was rewritten and transcribed goes beyond anything you can ever imagine. The words that were written then are the same words that we have now. When they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, you know, a thousand years after the book of Isaiah was written, and they, they compared them side by side, what had been transmitted the early way in these Dead Sea Scrolls, they found essentially the same words verbatim. There would be no departure in what the scripture had communicated. And by far, it's the most manuscripts of any ancient book. By far means on the order of several orders of magnitude. Like in, instead of three, there's 3,000 copies of the ancient manuscripts. And most of the apostles, those first followers of Jesus, <coughs> it's sad to say, but they were put to death because they believed him. Now, if they had known the resurrection was a lie, why would they have given their life for what they knew was a lie? Nobody. People give their lives for what they think is true. Suicide bombers give their life, but they think that there's some grand reward for this. They don't do it because they know they're living for a lie. The apostles... Believe Jesus. And they gave their life for him. Because this letter had transformed them to such degree. Who would die for a known lie? A very foolish man. Jesus believed this love letter. You can too. Jesus believed every word it said. You can believe it too. He'll give you the faith to believe this letter. I think. These are not Julie's letters. These are, these are not Julie's letters. But uh, would, you, would you hand these out? Everybody, I think I've got enough for everybody to take one. What you'll find when you open this letter are selected verses from the Scripture. 
And as we close the message today, I want to encourage you to um, to take some time here on this Valentine's Day to read these particular snippets from what God says. If you've doubted me, that's fine. But when you read what God says, believe Him. Trust Him. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with Him or if you've never walked with Him. What matters is how you hear His Spirit speaking to your heart. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank You that You have chosen to reveal Yourself to us when You could have remained hidden. Lord, You could have been remained hidden, disappointed in us, <clears throat> rejecting us <clears throat> because of we had rebelled against You. And You could have remained an enemy to us. But Lord, your letter that we read says, no, that, that, that's not the case. The letter that I read, Lord, said that you loved me. Lord, the letter that you sent me talked about your plans and your future. That, Lord, that you would take away my sin. That you would cleanse me. <coughs> Lord, the letter, the letter that you sent promised an everlasting covenant of life with you. Well, the letter that you sent said that you would give me faith to believe. Lord, I ask you to help us make this the first and primary source of life to us. Lord, to prepare us for days when there are strokes in our family. To prepare us, Lord, for days when there are hardships financially. When there's different decisions to be made. Lord, when there's people that we can love and reach and share Christ with them. Lord, may your words prepare us for those days of, of loving and serving and living for Christ. Lord, we thank you for the letters that you sent us. And we pray, Father, that as we read this, this one page of, of different aspects of what you have said, that you would, your, your special revelation, Lord, would get inside of us and bring about music and harmony and joy, Lord, deep within. Thank you, Father, for your grace. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.